0: Welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. We're just going to ignore that you keep (laughs) interrupting like that. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. Uh, That was Catherine Rubino, also of that August publication. And uh, we're here to chat about the week's legal news, you know, with some degree of seriousness, I guess.
1: I mean, hopefully not too much seriousness. Yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah,
0: no. So we actually have uh, a few things to go over, but before we get to that... um, yeah.
1: yeah. How Have you been? How uh, was?
0: You know, not Spring bad.
1: Spring has sprung. Uh, what a little are you up bit to these days.
0: Although some parts of the country I see are getting snow in the next couple of days, so that's not great for that's them. It's
1: not fun. In May in May snow is not okay.
0: I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that that's not good for them. I think there's a mega drought going on in this country, so perhaps it's good there, that they're getting like,
1: snow. Am I a terrible person for not even realizing that there's like a mega drought?
0: Yeah. No, you are. Cool.
1: Yeah. Cool. Cool.
0: Yeah, cool. 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 I, I mean, I, it it makes you feel any better. This wasn't the the thing that put me over the top on knowing that. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So we've we've got the law review contest going over at Above yes. the Law, and for those, we spell review. R-E-V-U-E.
1: Well, it's not we who do it, right? That's that's nope. the longstanding tradition of uh, law school talent shows, basically, to spell it that way. And, you know, it's good to have it back. Yeah. It, historically, at Above the Law, we do an annual competition. We have schools send in their best uh, video of any performances um, from the Law Review show and then we have folks vote on them. And it's every year it's sort of a highlight of the ATL calendar. We gets a ton of traffic. People seem really into it. And we didn't have one last year because there was a global pandemic and no one knew what the hell was going on. Mm. So, so even then, like some of the performances that already happened and, you know, it was during lockdown, no one knew. So we, we took a pause last year. And uh, maybe this is – and listen, it was always an online event, right? But it still didn't happen last year. But it's good to see that um, – good to have it back a little return to normalcy you little know.
0: comedy sketch singing it's yeah. all, always fun yeah
1: we have three finalists this year um if you go to above law.com you can see the commentary that joe myself and our other co editor Stacey zareski have about them and uh we'll see i haven't voted yet
0: yeah me neither
1: i don't have any i, I think i have a favorite but there are two of the finalists uh use uh megan the stallion songs um mm-hmm. and so i'm Wap and uh, Savage are the two songs that, that they do parodies of that I quite enjoy both of them to honest, And the other finalist is a, a Hamilton song, which is also, you know, pretty classic.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, great. Before we get going too far uh, into talking about, you know, down this law school rabbit hole, so go there, vote, whatever. We're not going to talk about, well, we are going to talk a little bit about law school still, but... You know, law school is the place that you go to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Aww. So take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com slash legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. Yeah, actually, I just got done. I saw New York released its report on how much... Law fevery happened last year. Fevery uh, Small law, you know, almost exclusively small lawyers dipping into client escrow funds and you know, converting you, them.
1: Yeah. And that's, when you, you know... I remember when you had to take the ethics portion of the bar exam, uh, I was panicking because, you know, that's pretty much what I did before every test. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going to fail. And somebody told me, like, listen, there's only one thing you have to remember. Just don't mix your money with theirs. Yeah. And I, you're probably going to pass. And I did. It, it's unreal that people
0: get... <laughs> And obviously, a lot of these people uh, in this report, which right, last thieve, year was right? the most uh, New York has had of these problems so ever, like the most people which is terrifying.
1: Because because of COVID, so many more people were doing it? Or it work.
0: was fewer people, but more money.
1: Uh, but anyway, uh, like the those, dollar folks values. Are, yeah,
0: those folks are trying to be bad actors, but don't let yourself accidentally be in that position mm-hmm. by not keeping good track of where your money is. And that's why... You use a product oh, wow, this like was, Noda.
1: Oh, I, I, I. Wow, I, th- I didn't realize this was all part of the ad read. I thought, it was, well, it wasn't. <laughs> it was just a
0: new story that came up today. But it right. struck me. It's in particularly relevant to our ah. friends at Noda. So I thought I'd, uh, I ah.
1: expound a little bit. I see there. I see. Yeah. I see.
0: No, the, um, the conversation we wanted to have. Folks may have seen, especially if you read. Other legal publications. I don't know why you would do such a thing, but if you (laughs) did read the Volokh Conspiracy over at uh, Reason Mag, you might have seen us become a bit of the news.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We have, uh, over at Above the Law, had a lot of coverage recently, unfortunately, of law professors who believe that the most imp- white law professors, I think I need to clarify. Yeah, to be very be- clear. Who believe that the best part of law school is them hurling around racial epithets as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. for the kids, for education.
1: Well, they have to. How else yeah. are people going to learn? Yeah. We've got to learn them good.
0: Yeah. How could you possibly understand yeah. what racial epithets are if you don't Actually, always articulated the the un
1: euphemized version, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Professor Volick wrote an article uh, in a law review
1: with Randall Kennedy, Kennedy, yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. wrote uh, an article in a law review about how great it is for white people to use the n word as much as they can. Mm -hmm. Our columnist of ours, a law professor columnist of ours, wrote a reaction to this on Above the Law about how this is one of the Laziest pieces of scholarship he's ever seen, sure. uh, and is just all around embarrassing. And they should feel embarrassed. Well, and
1: and I mean, not that not that this was gone into initially, but it's also very self serving, right? Like I've written, you've written about Professor Volok in the past using the oh, yeah. u- u- racial slurs in class, yes, uh, the un version, full n word, you know, and in particular uh, when they were asked not to. Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean, this is also very self serving in the sense that creating some some sort of a um, academic or you know scholarly reason for doing the problematic behavior that they are engaged in is yeah. it becomes justified then right because look at their scholarship about it okay they wrote it but
0: yeah and then and then the real nonsense of the whole thing is after our anonymous law professor makes fun of them mm-hmm. Volokh uh, comes at us demanding a reaction publication where we would apparently give him space in our pages to react yeah, to I mean, somebody, despite the fact that he has a law review in which he's expounded upon right. this, as well as his own relatively successful blog affiliated with a major magazine where he could right. respond to this. But no, and
1: also we don't do one-off publications. And we don't. It's just and, our policy. But,
0: but no, he feels it's really important that we. Have his voice heard in response to this, you know, because
1: not how any of this works. <laughs> because,
0: you know, when other people feel as though, you know, their feelings are being ignored or their concerns are not being heard by a law professor, that's because they're weak and don't understand. But when somebody makes a joke about him, the presses need to stop <laughs> and allow him to speak because it's all about listening to. White people speak whenever they get a chance to uh, complain. It,
1: that is kind of in the history of it's this un- country. So It was so
0: – anyway, we brought Ellie Mistal back to respond to it. Uh, right. it right. He because responded to it substantively. But-
1: right, because the, the the piece that they did publish in The Vala Conspiracy was about a, a second columnist at Above the Law, which a couple of years ago had used a block quote that had an unedited version of the racial slurring
0: question. Right, and – And they try to make this as though this is analogous, which, frankly, I don't think this is, because the analogy to the earlier article, which just had a quote from a book that did that, which probably shouldn't have happened, but to the extent it did, that's analogous to saying, you know, you have to read a case that has that in there. Mm -hmm. Nobody's really arguing that, you know, especially when we're talking about you know Nazi cases and stuff like that. Nobody's arguing that this law ceases to exist. Uh, people understand it needs to be dealt with and read, whatever. The problem is when, by after reading this case, Volk wants to turn the conversation for the next hour into him throwing out his own personal hypotheticals about things. Right. That's the part right. that crosses the line into gratuitous, re- in just. Use. Yeah, Yeah, just being gratuitous uh, with your use of racial epithets for the hell of it. And that's why the analogy to an earlier article of ours having a quote from a Mm -hmm. book talking about the— And
1: again, it was a columnist, not not one of the editorial voices. Of course.
0: And look, if that columnist had felt the need to utilize that sort of rhetoric in commentary, that would be analogous to this and be problematic. But he didn't. Yeah, absolutely. It's a poor
1: analogy. Yeah. You know that, that analogies are actually an entire section of how, of standardized testing. Like, I don't understand how. Yeah,
0: how law professors are so bad so at bad
1: at analogies. So yeah. I think the, I, you're right. I think the analogy is wrong. I think that also we publish a tremendous volume of articles at Above the Law, and I mean, I, how do they even find the article? Do they actually go into the search engine and like type in the full epithet?
0: Uh, that's weird because our search engine is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, like it, it really was just a poor analogy, even to the extent that it was a right. thing. And I mean. It- what-
1: I think you're right, and I think that the other thing is that in in Volek and Kennedy's article, they try to um, make a distinction between use versus insult, right? Mm-hmm. And that like merely saying the epithet is different than insult using the insult, and of course they are different in kind. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's worse if a professor uses an epithet as you know, you terrible, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, slur right? Of course that is worse than if you're just, you're mentioning the word, Right, of course, but that doesn't make it okay, right? We can hold multiple complicated ideas in our head at the same time, both saying that using it as an insult is worse, but it's still not okay to just use it. And I think another point that Ellie makes thing quite eloquently is that there's no reason not to change it to a euphemized version. Everyone knows if you say they used the N-word, everyone knows what it is. Yeah. And well, and that was
0: Ellie's point that yeah, was so Yeah, good. and so yeah. That's,
1: I'm, I'm reiterating his well, point here.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the issue with this use-insult distinction that people try to cling to to justify their own bad behavior. Sure, there's a difference with use, but it also has to be a use that is required, basically. Mm-hmm. Look, if you're putting somebody in... You know, you're writing an opinion about like what somebody did that you know might be criminal behavior or whatever. The record has to be accurate. Sure, transcripts has to be accurate. That's a place where it has to be. The law classroom where you're at, like, so this person used a racial epithet. What should happen to them? You don't need to do that. Like, it's it's an it's. I mean, I've already used the word gratuitous, but that's what it is. It's an attempt to bootstrap onto. The case to, to
1: and and I, I've said this before and I'll say it again because it comes up entirely too often. You know, not just Volokh. There are, are too many law professors who feel like it's okay to use the N word in the classroom. It happens uh, way I, I ha- way I've, too often. I basically have a cottage industry about writing. How? Why are we still having this conversation? Why are you doing this? And 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 I think uh, having written about it so many times and so many different professors, I just think that there's this sort of Purian thrill, like you know, some the, oh. I, I'm transgressing acceptable norms, uh, and and say I get to say it, even though I'm white, because I'm in the classroom and this is education, and it's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, it's utter bullshit, and to not even recognize that there's this sort of transgressive thrill that they're getting and trying to capitalize and try to without even recognizing that, I just think is entirely dishonest. Whether it's they're not even admitting it to themselves or or you know it's it's more obvious to them. But it is it is so clear to me that there's something deeper going on psychologically because there's no practical reason in order to use any racial yeah. slur in class. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, law school students are not kids, right? Right. They're freaking adults. Yeah. These are all grown ass people.
0: Who fully can comprehend the entire discussion without right. having to go through that. Yeah. Right.
1: It is it completely gratuitous, unnecessary, and really demonstrates your lack of respect for people who are not white. Yeah.
0: I should have had a counter going with like a ding or whatever for the use of the word gratuitous. I think we got it in there a bit. But I mean, it, it, yeah, it fits.
1: If the gratuitous shoe fits.
0: Yeah. You know, I have a question. Okay. How have law firms weathered previous economic downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn, lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash likealawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. So, so if you were running for office, have you ever run for office, I have not. Have you? Okay, I have actually. Um,
1: uh, interesting. Did you did you win?
0: I did. I was on a post. Um, <laughs> I was on the Those Kings the- County, uh, New York of Brooklyn. I was a Brooklyn delegate to um, the uh. party committee. Um, Fancy, yeah, yeah. So, did you
1: have a campaign website?
0: I did not. Oh. But you know why I might have wanted one? To dispel the conversation about the girl in my bathtub. Um,
1: uh, what girl? Yeah.
0: So this doesn't actually apply to me as far Obviously. as yeah. uh, we all know. Uh, but Charles, <laughs> as far as
1: anyone's able to prove. <laughs> as
0: Charles Peruto Jr. is running for district attorney in Philadelphia, and he has a campaign website, and one of the subject headings is The Girl in My Bathtub. And uh, the first sentence what? is: first sentence is there shouldn't be a section for this on anyone's campaign site, but because some people will not let this go away, I must address it."
1: But there was a girl in his bathtub.
0: There was like and a dead one. Yes, a a and to, that's the old uh, Louisiana thing. Yes, a, a dead girl was in his bathtub. Uh, it was a paralegal that he employed, as far as I could tell, at the time or at least had at some point. He was dating her and. Uh, She died in his bathtub.
1: Yeah, that's gonna come up. It should come up. Yes. Like, like as a matter of like due diligence, right? The press should continue to bring this up. Um, people in who are voting on this should be aware that there was a uh, they should they should have questions. If someone wanted to be the district attorney where I lived and there was a dead girl in their bathtub, I would have questions. I think that's reasonable. I think it's it's reasonable. reasonable. I think it's reasonable to have questions about the dead girl.
0: A a tweet by uh, Michael Whitney, who uh, was where I first noticed the story going down, makes a good point, uh, which he tags with, when you definitely know math and the law, Uh, (laughs) the section from the campaign website is, in short, the best way to start with this is the medical examiner's report. She was a 0.45 BAC. That means that 45% of her blood was alcohol, three exclamation points. That's so
1: what any of that means.
0: That is not how blood alcohol content works. Another thing that I feel is though the district attorney should be on top of.
1: It is disturbing that a potential district attorney does not understand that. But but okay, so so the person who died, it actually happened a while back, right? Above mm-hmm. the law covered, I think, before either of us were, were at the publication in 2013, 2014, something like I, that.
0: I was here okay, uh, okay. but because I remember right. this story. Okay, okay. because I was not. When I saw a tweet saying something about a guy running for office about a dead girl in the bathtub, I went – Oh, I know this story cuz uh, cuz I was here when we covered it. I didn't write that story, but
1: Yeah, so okay, I've got I've got some some bones to pick with this this situation here. Obviously, you know, it's it is hilarious. I will I will say that that like the dead girl in your bathtub. Right.
0: It's not hilarious that there's a Dead someone and, that, who died. and that is
1: kind of my but, point. And that is my point. Like he put it on his website as The Girl in My Bathtub, right? Like that was the heading that he mm-hmm. he put there. But in coverage from 2013-2014, he describes the girl as this his soulmate, someone that he loved, right? He was in yeah. a relationship with them. And and okay, you know there's questions obviously about, you know, somebody that you were close to died in your home, right? Then why don't you have a section that is like That person's—I don't actually know the person's name, uh, but why not have, like, so-and-so's name or in memoriam or, like, the tragic circumstances regarding the death of so-and-so? Those are all ways that also address these questions that don't make a caricature of someone that you said that you loved, right? Someone who is a a person that should be respected as, you know, she had hopes and dreams and and was a real— person and he has by trying to uh, minimize its import in the race for his own kind of you know benefit he's trying to minimize the who she was as a person and make it just a joke yeah right because oh and 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 i get it the way he says it makes it seem that way but but he's the one who called her a soulmate yeah and now he wants to write it off as a as she was a, terrible, she died in my presence, but, you know, and make her uh, the butt of a joke as opposed to, you know, something that was tragic, a very tragic. I would be like, this was a tragic thing that happened in my life. Yeah. If that, you know, if, if you were, if I was running for office and this happened to me. Because I understand these sorts of tragedies, I can better serve you.
0: You do under, yeah, no. Right,
1: like this is a way to to, to actually talk about it in a way that's productive and relevant to the race that he's running as opposed to just make it a joke.
0: Yeah, the whole thing feels almost like a Lifetime movie of the week.
1: It was, wasn't it?
0: It was a Lifetime movie of the week in 2018 called The Girl in the Bathtub. So yes, Lifetime has already made this story into a movie. (sighs) Yeah, it seems like maybe... The
1: sequel is coming, I'm guessing.
0: Look, uh, this guy has relatively no chance of winning this election i would hope so i mean it's
1: still gonna make me salty
0: the newspapers that have always endorsed not the incumbent have all endorsed the incumbent this time so i feel as though there's very little chance but we'll see you know crazier things can happen let's uh take a break to hear from our friends from lexicon And let's talk about. Well, uh, you familiar with Judge Lynn Hughes?
1: I believe I've written about him.
0: Yeah, Judge Lynn Hughes. Everybody,
1: I think, head above the law writes about him at some point because uh, he's a he's an interesting character in the federal legal legal
0: yeah. uh, Judge Hughes, a federal judge down in Texas, he is by his peers. Rated as the worst judge in the US system. I don't know whether or not that's fair, but that is certainly what people say of him. He is known for being very mean spirited and harsh with his bench slaps, Mm -hmm. which in, you know, goes around, comes around. He's also on
1: the Fifth Circuit, circuit
0: also treats him him to a number of bench slaps for his behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he has a new one out, which I read it. I'm going to say something that I'm not totally comfortable with. I kind of think he's got a point.
1: Are you making a a broken clock situation? Yeah,
0: I I feel like he might be right about this one. Uh, Judge Hughes put out this opinion about a young man who had tried to join ISIS uh, several years ago. Ultimately did not, but his friend who he was going to join with did. And uh, he gave his friend, like, all the money he had on him when they separated, like, Mm -hmm. handed him couple hundred bucks or whatever it was. It's telling that this opinion doesn't even say how much money it was because it's such an insignificant amount. And he pleaded guilty to this. He actually had renounced all of his leanings to the terrorist organization Mm -hmm. before he was even arrested and uh, the federal government wants to put him away for fifteen years.
1: That seems like a wild misuse of federal funds, yeah,
0: that seems like that might be a little extreme. And Judge Hughes agrees. Judge Hughes thought eighteen months was right. The government appealed. It was kicked back to Judge Hughes. At this point, the guy's been in prison uh, pending appeal for several months, has racked up a great disciplinary record there is, you know, on on the mend, he's like pursuing a degree. Judge Hughes says, scoreboard, basically. I We now have proof yeah. that this kid is
1: yeah, making, on, making on a good changes, way. Yeah,
0: So we're going to stick with 18 months. And the Fifth Circuit then took the case away from Judge Hughes and is sending it back to somebody else to make sure the government gets the 15 years that they want. And look, Judge Hughes's reason for all of this is, it's a little sus. There's, uh, reading through the footnotes, it appears as though his big problem is that this case was brought by the Obama Justice Department, and he doesn't trust the Obama people. So, you know, not probably the right reason to be opposed to this. But I mean, when you read the bio of this kid, and frankly, taking the government's position at its most, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt on everything they say, I read their petition and thought, yeah, 18 months sounds about right. So (laughs) I I don't know.
1: 15 years seems absurd that that seems absurd for you know this is someone who's renounced
0: yeah who's not a threat at this point not who, a threat who a, at this point a didn't do anything yeah. ultimately and b is not a threat at this point yeah yeah it anyway um so yeah, I mean, there we go listen Ju-
1: let's be clear right back in back in the day like Irish folks in Brooklyn gave a lot more money to the IRA yeah no I mean that <laughs> was
0: that was pretty directly terrorist yeah then. yeah no the um Judge Hughes. Criminal justice reform warrior, all of a sudden.
1: Weird. Yeah, weird. no weird.
0: Uh, yeah. So I think that uh, brings yeah. us around to the end point, you know.
1: Parting is such sweet sorrow.
0: Yeah, it is. But we will be back. You can check us out in other places too. We have abovethelaw.com where we write every day. We also have other shows. Uh, Catherine hosts the Jabot. Yeah. What were we going to say?
1: I was just going to say, I, I host the Jabot. Oh.
0: Okay, you yeah. want to take that part? I host the Jabo. Great, uh, <laughs> that was that was worth it.
1: Do you even know the the names of the show, the other shows besides Thinking Like a Lawyer that you're on?
0: Yeah, well, I'm on uh, Legal Tech Weeks. Um, Journalist yeah. roundtable. Well, no, it's Legal Tech Week is how you would get the podcast, but I think he uses that to talk to do some other things. But there's also a weekly journalist roundtable that I am a participant in. Fair enough. Yeah, this week we talked about legal conferences, and uh, you were some salty of the about it, is what I know. Well, yeah, no, you were it, salty. I had been a defender of these people, and it turns out they were uh, which people. Uh, the ILTACON people. Uh, oh, that's yeah. the
1: first in-person conference, right, that you were talking about earlier?
0: It, it You would think that, yeah. Uh, and it is an in-person conference. They just decided not to, well, originally, we found out, all of us, in this legal journalist roundtable, we were all sent documents saying that we weren't invited, uh, that, you know, because of COVID, uh, even though it's in-person, you have to log in and watch, which I defended them and said, look, I'm sure this is, capacity limits right now. I'm sure it'll, they'll get around to inviting us. But what we learned mid-roundtable was that some of us had actually been invited. So uh, they have
1: a list of, like, their preferred legal journalists to yeah. deal with.
0: No, and, and it was great. Um, the the journalists, uh, we all kind of banded together and yeah, denounced obviously. this as a kind of egregious uh, attack. attack on the legal journalism world. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, uh, what we... Those of us not invited resolved is that we're all going to go anyway was and it, hold an alternative. Was conference.
1: it the first people like the first in? Like we have twenty passes available for journalists. The first twenty get them. Was that the situation? No, no, no. They oh, just they they invited so preferred list.
0: Well, they invited Bob, who makes sense uh, as kind of the dean sure. of this. Bob Ambrosi, yeah. yeah, and then um, then they gave another publication not one but two passes to cover it, which in, instead of inviting like other additional people. publications, yeah. No, yeah, it's this uh, doesn't seem
1: great. Yeah, this doesn't well, seem great. Yeah, well, you're gonna be it'll be an interesting story to write from the lobby of
0: <laughs> it, look the I, hotel. I, I fully expect to be invited before this is all over. But if I'm not, I actually think this is gonna be a lot of this fun. This just sounds
1: like terrible PR. Too like how do you not know? First of all, first of all, I, in the legal tech world, the fact that you have a week multiple weekly wrap up shows is known. Yeah, I right? mean, it, it's so, a very
0: small pool so and we talk, all talk together. You talk, right? Oh, yeah.
1: And to not know or get out ahead of it, be like, hey, listen, this is the situation. Uh, you know, we have a limited number. Get out ahead of it and don't just yeah. like let people find out on the air because I guarantee their oh, it, unfiltered reactions are always going to be worse.
0: But it made for great radio. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> sure, but finding I'm, out live I'm, was I'm great. I'm saying
1: as a... You're talking as a journalist, which I think is correct. Yeah. But I'm saying it's a particularly bad an
0: organization, PR
1: yeah. move, and whoever's in charge of media for ILTA... It
0: this seems a, like an a, unforced this error. This is a trip. This it is it a seems trip unforced up. error. Yeah, so that was a long way of saying that I'm on that show. That was and, actually
1: fun, though. Yeah, I, <laughs> I and me uh, you get salty about
0: things. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm at Joseph Patrice, she's at Catherine One, which is that numeral one on Twitter. You can check out the other shows by the Legal Talk Network. Thanks again to Lexicon, Noto powered by MT Bank, and LexisNexis Interaction. And yeah, that's everything. So we will check in with you again next week. Peace.